Welcome to the Podman Rush, the official podcast of the Dallas Stars. Here's your host, Daryl Razor Ray. It is said that true nostalgia is an ephemeral composition of disjointed memories. <laughs> Look at that, I got him laughing already. <laughs> Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another Podman Rush. This week, the Wayback Machine has been hooked up with Zubov Knight being nigh. Sure, it's yours truly celebrating the Razor Jubilee and Mike Heike, now from DallasStars.com. But at one time, a true high school heartthrob, that Heike. Uh, but what an absolute honor this week to have a man who was known as Poison Pen during his modest <laughs> teeth-cutting days as the Stars beat reporter for Dallas Morning News, and now a multi-platform print and broadcast titan, Dallas Morning News, ESPN Pundit, writer, scribe, you name it. The Tim Kalashaw is with us this week. Can you believe it? He's here. <laughs> William Timothy Kalashaw is an American sports writer. Cool. Kind of supercilious, <laughs> is it not? Just a little? Just a smidge? How are you? How are you, Poison oh, Pen? Oh, I am so fine. I am much better than I was three minutes ago when that introduction began. But uh, <laughs> I am, I am, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. What, if anything, do you do you miss from the Daily Beat? Oh, I do. I mean, there, there's, a, there's a certainty. When you're a Daily Beat writer, especially, uh, not football so much, but if you're doing baseball, basketball, or hockey, there is a schedule. And you can say, this is where I'm going to be, and this is when I'm going to be flying here, and then I need to do that story there, and then I get two days off there. Uh, there's, there's a comfort in that. I mean, there's a, it's, a, it's a grind, so I don't miss it enough to uh, volunteer uh, to take Mr. DeFrank's place, but uh, I'll do it like twice a year. I'll go out there and, and do a game. But, but no, and it's that, and, and you know, Mike and I were talking before we got started, the knowledge that you should gain about a team if you're allowed to interact with them and get to know them uh, prior to 2020. Um, that, that's something that when you're, when you're afar and a columnist and you go to some games, you, you don't have that knowledge anymore. Do you miss the, the uh, intimate interaction with the athlete? The intimate locker room action. Because, I mean, for the most part, as no. a columnist, you're able yes. to just throw bombs from distance, right? You are, and that's <laughs> fine. And that's, you get out the howitzer, the big gun, and you just you just go uh, set up in the trenches there. But, no, there, there was – you know, look, I, I always tell people that, you know, covering those Stanley Cup, really the finals both years, the year they won and the year they didn't, that was – it was like I was still on the beat. I wasn't. I covered the team for three years, uh, 95 through 98, through losing to Detroit. I became a columnist that next summer, but I still went to a bunch of games, and I went to every playoff game. And so you're going to like 20 playoff games. And so those years, that was the most fun I've had in, in, in sports writing because you know, I felt like I knew those players and those coaches and, and even some of the, you know, some of the opponents, Igor Larionov. So that that was a, a very fun time, and, and getting that kind of knowledge is is something you can't do without being a beat writer. Jump in here, Heike. It's it's your old partner. 
for crying out loud. Yeah. I know you guys have talked for 40 minutes wait, waiting for me to get it on my computer and on you. We've said all we have to say to each other. That's right, we're done. <laughs> yeah, you've wasted what, it. Talking to Tim right now is funny because a bunch of memories come back. Like, I really enjoy the interaction with the reporters. Uh, Tim and Chuck Carlton and I went to Edmonton for a uh, one of those playoff series, and we all drove around together. And I could give you 10 memories just from that. We stopped and saw the Northern Lights uh, driving, I think, from Edmonton to Calgary. The uh, Pepsi light of his that I threw out of the car. <laughs> he was mad all the way to Calgary. You can't get Pepsi light in Canada, Tim. Yeah. He brought that from the U.S. <laughs> but I thought it was it, old. I threw it, it out. Was, it was a fun time back then. And, and you know, we used to go out to, to dinner. Um, <laughs> we I remember one time we were in uh, uh, St. Louis, uh, eating some sort of squid or something like that. Sounds like a, a wise choice to have seafood in St. Louis, Missouri, no, but whatever. Correct, Mr. Heike there. There's one thing I know, and that's calamari. And at Union Station, at that Union Station restaurant, yes. that had great calamari. I don't know where it came from. I don't know how fresh it was. I don't even know if it was really calamari. So you guys are good. you guys are feeding the uh, the reporter stereotype of all you care about is food on food. Ver various Where's road the trips. Good press food, <laughs> that's right. Press that's meals, but it was fun. It was fun back in the day. It yes. really was, and Tim was great. And it was just, it was. Well, Tim's was still great, Mike. Let's he's not sell him is. short. I just don't ever see he's, him. He's, uh, but there was a lot of bonding back then. It was it was a lot of fun. Well, a couple of questions for you, uh, Poison Pen. As, yes. as an, an outsider now that mm -hmm. used to be an insider that still occasionally weighs in with your sapient takes, uh, where are the stars in 2022 in, in the market here? Do you have your finger on that pulse? Well, you know, I, I still think it's a shame. This is obvious, but I, I think it's a shame that that Stanley Cup run <laughs> happened where in a vacuum, <laughs> no one saw it in a in a vacuum and empty stands, and it was just so strange to watch. And I was writing columns, sitting right here watching TV, and just completely not a part, not connected to it in any way, even compared to uh, the year or two before when they went to that seventh game with St. Louis and overtime, and as close as that got to feeling like something from the old days. Um, so I think the team is backed up a little. They, they still have their ardent fans. You know, they've, they've, they've run out of teams in the East to beat up on, but they've <laughs> piled up some nice <clears throat> points in the process. <clears throat> but I don't know, you know, Jamie Van and Tyler Sagan have had a nice run and been popular players. And maybe they got a little old, a little quicker than the people wanted them to. I don't know if, the mainstream fans know Rupe hints the way they knew other people and, and, and Heiskanen and, and, you know, the good young players, the good young talents, Robertson. I, I think those are, those guys are a long way from being where they need to be. And the only way you achieve that is with a couple of deep playoff runs where right. fans have to be able to, to go to the games and feel a part of it and, and you feel it around Victory Park and all of that. Uh, with with hockey back on ESPN this season, more nostalgia, if you will. Uh, game last night was on ESPN Plus. For a show like yours, ATH, as it's known, 
around the yes. horn. What has the directive been with the NHL back on the network, or has there been any? I haven't personally noticed. I mean, you've always been a guy that has found yeah. a way to support the sport in that medium and, and that show. Try to use a little FaceTime on hockey. For well, a lot of FaceTime because you are a winner, Tim Cowleshaw. Right. Yes. A winner. 504 wins. Thank you. Not that um, anybody's counting. Try to get, you know, Ovechkin's pursuit of Gretzky into the show every now and then. Because <laughs> uh, that is a rather amazing thing. But really, until uh, closer to playoff time, there, there's just not. I mean, now we got. I hate to even say it, the Olympics coming up, which I don't want to talk about at all, but that'll be on the show for a couple of weeks. And then, uh, you know, the NBA is still well ahead on, on around the horn in terms of what we discussed. The people we have on the show tend to be NBA reporters or more familiar with that. We have Emily Kaplan. Yeah, Emily Kaplan now. Yeah. That's been very good for the show. But, you know, so she's on once a week or so, and I'm on once or twice a week. Uh, so we squeeze a little hockey in, but I, I don't think – I don't think the, the ESPN change, other than we mentioned it at the start of the year, uh, I, I don't think it's had any real impact. I think in the playoffs, maybe you'll see it incremental increase in how we talk hockey, but not a lot. Yeah, but I, I know that when I, I watch PTI, I mean, other than a brawl, they never yeah. really referenced the right. NHL ever. And now it's, it's pretty commonplace that they work the NHL into it. Not yeah. daily, but a lot more, way more maybe than so, they did so, before. Maybe. Right. I think they. I think we might have had it a little ahead of them. Uh, you know, Mike would be more inclined to maybe talk a little Capitals with you and go to a game in Washington. Uh, Tony doesn't really go anywhere, but he doesn't prevent him. <laughs> He's from still talking, in his closet, from, is he not? Talking about things, putting on a hat and talking about. Uh, so yeah, maybe 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 the increase has been a little bigger there. Because I think they were lagging behind us in that regard. Do you sense it, Mike? Can you get a, a feel that the because it was always talked about when the NHL left ESPN that they needed to get back there so that the worldwide leader would talk the sport more, and it was like a it would be like a marketing handshake between the two entities. You see it now. Yeah, a little bit. I think it's a process. Um, it It's very interesting just to see what power the media wields um, and, and, you know, big shots like Kalisha, obviously. It's, it's funny because we give him a hard time, uh, but it is event when he comes to a game. And and it's a big deal. And so I know you laugh it about that. No, no, no. Yeah, no I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. Like getting that personality in the building is a big deal for oh, the Dallas oh, Stars. College is in the house. And and so it's the same with ESPN. You you need that conduit. The the you know the old Marshall McLuhan thing is the uh, the medium is the message. Uh, so sometimes having the right medium is a huge part of getting to where you need to get to. Now, I think they, the league and the stars have done a good job of generating interest with things like the Winter Classic or the All-Star Game or little things you can throw out here, you know, a Sergei Zuboff retirement you know, night that you got to do things like that. But Tim's right. You need two or three weeks uh, or more of a nice playoff run. And, and I know it's weird, but it, like I always compare it to uh, March Madness. Like nobody cares about college basketball until you get March Madness. But then 
once you hit March Madness, all eyes are on it. So if the Stars could have that run, uh, especially against some pretty good teams like Vegas or, or Colorado like they did in the bubble, and then mm. have that in Dallas, I, I do think the impact would be huge. And, and then having ESPN cover those games uh, would be a big deal. Yeah, I, I think sports writers more than anybody got robbed when the Stars met the Vegas Golden Knights in the conference final in an empty building in Edmonton, Alberta. Yeah. Or even in the the second round when they played Colorado and they each scored 30-some goals. It was wild and entertaining. And, again, they happened in a vacuum. Yeah. But just Dallas and Vegas. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, oh, like, you're talking about, yes. Well, I, I'm trying to help you out here a little bit. Yes. <laughs> Dallas and You're Vegas. saying there's some attraction to There might have been. There, there might have been. Would not be I hear they have good calamari in Vegas. Yeah, excellent calamari <laughs> in I don't Vegas. know if they even have calamari at Bellagio. I don't know if that will work for me. Well, me you can go you can this. go fish in the fountains there and see if you can catch That's some true. squid. Let me ask you guys a question if I'm allowed to do that in this. Oh my format. god, you're turning the tables on us. <laughs> this is just throwing everything out of whack. Um uh, because I, I speak out of both sides of my mouth. I don't like the NHL shutting down for the Olympics, and I'm glad they're not going. But then once the Olympics are on, I'll be like, God, I'd like to see Russia play the Czech Republic. <laughs> Those teams are so good when you when you compress all the good players onto six countries, uh, you get some hellacious games. So where do you where are you guys on that? Well, I'm not a fan of them going until. Canada meets the United States in the final in North America, and then it's the greatest thing yes, on planet yeah, Earth, right? Yeah. Um, and, I, and I'm split down the middle now. I, I, I'm win-win because I'm a full-fledged American. I, I'm a there citizen. Now, I don't care who wins. Uh, yeah. But back when I was just full Canadian, of course, it was Canada, Canada, Canada. Right. Uh, yeah. I don't like the fact that our sport and our league has to shut down mid-season in order to squeeze this in there. Uh, we talked about this, uh, I think, a few weeks ago, where it, it just doesn't make it doesn't make sense. It's yeah, it's wonderful uh, in the end, but it's really the top two percent that's even competing in it. The rest of them are on beaches in Cabo and and what have you. And it, it just feels like, other than the the ones that were in North America and Salt Lake and in Vancouver. I don't know, middle of the night and you yeah. got the scores already and, and all that. I hope, and, and I believe this is going to happen going forward, that they will uh, rekindle the old, it was known as the Canada Cup, then it became the World Cup, and do it in the fall when guys are in peak condition and prior to the season and have them go at one another again, best on best countries in the in the world and do it that way because the NHL is going to need to fill the coffers a little bit after, you know, just hemorrhaging money to keep this thing rolling along. They get nothing out of the Olympics. If right. they run a tournament like that and, and it's packed and you can put people in, in arenas in Canada again, uh, it, it can be a win-win, I think. 96, my was my second year on the beat. I think that was your first year as a broadcaster here. Yes. Uh, and they had that World Cup. We were in Vail watching it. Right. Darian Hatcher was playing in it. That was the most, and that was so, I'm, I'm still second year. I'm still brand new to this stuff. And we're watching the game with, with, with uh, I don't know if Ganey was there, but Craig Button and all the scouts and people and everybody was into it. And yeah, that was, that was, a very cool thing to have right before the season. Right. 
this like it's like the baseball thing where the, they occasionally have it. You know, they play in spring training, and then those players come to the teams. That's so different from yeah, we're going to shut the league down for three weeks, <laughs> and we're going to get nothing out of it. Basically, we're going to get nothing, but we're going to put NBC's all our best players at risk yeah. in yeah. a foreign country. Go, Joe Maris will go break his leg, but yeah. everything else is good. The the best series of games I've ever witnessed. I was in training camp. I was with the Oilers back then, and and Grant Fuhrer was with Team Canada, and Canada and Russia met in the final of the Canada Cup, and it was a three-game series, and it was 6-5, 6-5, 6-5. It was, it was the best <laughs> full-throttle hockey the I think I've match. ever witnessed in my life. Like, it was phenomenal. And if they could get back to something like that in, in 2023 and four, I, I think it would be awesome. Yeah, I, Mike, I like Mike, the control- weigh in, okay. Mike. I like the NHL controlling it. Uh, the Olympics is just, it's so weird. And then this one's going to be even more weird because there won't be fans. And it, it, from the start, I thought it was doomed. Uh, but <laughs> I'll go back to Tim on this one. So I think we were in Hitch's room in Vail. And do you remember what happened after the Team USA won? I know all the Canadians were pissed. <laughs> they, booted, they booted us out. Hitch is like, okay, we're done. Out. And we're going like, no, no, what about our celebration? And I like, no, no, you're done. Out, out of my room. It was yeah. funny. <laughs> Those people take it seriously. Yeah, a little bit jingoistic back in the days. A little yes. bit. Uh, well, the, the country that wasn't involved in that final was Russia. Mm-hmm. We're going to honor the greatest Russian defenseman in Stars history. You guys alluded to it earlier. Sergei Zubov's number 56 goes to the rafters this week. Uh, Tim, uh, you, you had a, you had a good relationship with Zuby. He was, he was, uh, he was awkward for us on the broadcast side, understandably so. Uh, for, for you though, your, your memories of, of Zubov back in the day. Uh, two that, that, that stand out. One as being at that draft, when they traded for him, which I think might have been in St. Louis, ninety six. Right. Yeah, yeah. I think. I think uh, but I remember uh, again Craig Button coming over and telling me we're about to trade for Zuboff. I was like, really? What are you? What are you giving up, Hatcher? <laughs> I was like, Darian. <laughs> no, <laughs> we're giving up Kevin Hatcher. I was like, what else? He said, that's it. Mario doesn't like Zuboff on the power play. I said they had the number one power play in the league. They scored a million goals. Yeah, but he thinks he thinks Zuboff holds the puck too long. He holds the puck too long because they have the number one power play. <laughs> he what he's doing. <clears throat> Excuse me. He's not from Western Canada. He doesn't just fire the puck willy-nilly into a crowd. <laughs> sorry, Western Canada. Uh, sorry, Razor. And uh, just, you know, this disbelief that Kevin Hatcher, who still scored a bunch of goals at that point in his career, but was considered such a – liability by most people on the team that they could pull that off. That's my, that's my first one. And then I, I remember the first time I talked to him just in that little locker room over at, at Valley ranch. And I don't know why, but I just, I, I got him one day before the season started and he started talking about living in, he had lived in Jim lights house for a while uh, when he was in, I guess Pittsburgh or I don't know if lights would have a house there. He'd lived in it somewhere and he just he started talking, and then he it turned out he lived. We were living beyond our means, and he was way beneath things. We lived on the same street in Valley Ranch. <laughs> we lived on Cowboys Parkway, and he lived down at the end of the street. And his wife would take uh, their two year old or whatever to the same park we were taking 
Rachel, who was about three at the time. So it'd be like the, we didn't really picnic together, but we'd <laughs> see them. And so there was sort of a weird little connection there. Um, and, and the other thing, I don't want to take up all the time on Zoom off, but, uh, you know, it was such the dark ages when Mike and I first started covering this league. So in 95, they still didn't put out minutes per game or stats. And, and the league guarded it because they didn't want agents to get this information. Right. For and negotiations. The story that Zuboff had played 70-some minutes in a five-overtime playoff game in Pittsburgh. And people were just aghast and trying to figure out if that could possibly be true. And nobody had a way of even finding out. <laughs> but it was. Somebody said, yes, it's the league has a has a way of knowing. And he, he was out there for 72 minutes or some insane thing. And then as we saw, he could, he could skate, he could skate all night and he could, uh, you know, he'd, he'd make the occasional mistake, but he cleaned up a lot of Sador's mistakes too. <laughs> and he just, you know, just was as, as fabulous a passer as you could, as you, as you could want to want to see play the game. Mike. Uh, same thing. The fact that the team made allowances for his creativity. Uh, I think there was one of the things in Vail uh, where they had to run some sort of uh, obstacle course. And one of the things was take three sticks and tape them into a triangle. And then your team had to carry the stick, the triangle throughout the course. Well, Zuboff, you know, did his with the spokes coming out. So he could like throw it from teammate to teammate. And I think it was, you know, Hatcher said, that's not a triangle. And Zuboff goes to the middle of the sticks and there's a triangle between the sticks that it all joined together. And Rick Wilson goes, seems like he's pretty smart about this stuff. And, and that to me was a memory of him. He looked at things in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. Just a, uh, special talent. I remember him and Madonna just exclusive to one another. It was like a two man click. They would, I mean, you watch warm up and they'd only pass to one another the entire warm up almost. And then away they'd go in, in a game, he would do an annual, and I mean, annual interview with me. It was like one a year and it'd be like, Zuby, you got to do one. And go, oh, yeah. And, and he was just, he was anxious and he was nervous and he was impatient. We're waiting to come back from commercial and, and, you know, he would swear and we just barely get it in before we go live and uh, the trail off of off would be in there. And uh, it was, it was amazing. It was like the president during the halftime show, the Super Bowl. we'd have him on every year and then that would be it. <laughs> See you later. Uh, incredible. One of, one of the things, I think this is still true. No defenseman in, in league history reached a hundred career assists in fewer games than, Zubov, that was back when he started with the Rangers. He had 100, 100 assists in his first 127 games. <laughs> like, as you mentioned, uh, Tim, like, he was just a phenomenal passer. He led the Rangers in scoring the year they won the yeah, Cup, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, that team with Messier and all those people. And, and you know, he just – I remember this one play, and it, I don't know if I remember – I mean, I don't think I can even describe it right – it was a playoff game in San Jose, and I think he had just come back from injury. Either he had or Madonna had, but I think it was him. And he's way over on the right, kind of in the right face-off circle where you're trying to score that way. And Madonna's way over here on the left. And the only way he saw to get in the puck was just this amazing quick whip around backhand through this crowd right onto Madonna's stick. And I remember seeing it 
there where you're watching it, you know, in that press box in San Jose and then watching that pass numerous times, like how in the world would he even seen that that was the way to get the puck across the ice to Madonna and it was perfect. Yeah, you just it's a great example of him being on a different level visually and and skill wise than than most. Who has the leaf blower going? Who has their 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 that lawn is, service? That's, that's me. Is that oh, you, Ike? You have lawn oh, service money going? There's a yes. The townhomes here have a little leaf blowing going. <laughs> that's hilarious. I think he's I think he's done his his business over here. My yeah, God. I'm hoping mine is too. Listen to you. Lottie Daw scribes with your lawn services. <laughs> you I was going to tell the, the Sean Van Allen story on that one. I think you were there for that one, Tim. Uh, so Sean Van Allen's like fronting the, the net uh, on the right side, hoping to tip a puck in. And the, the pass from Zuboff goes between his skates. And then like on the back door, somebody just taps it in. And you're like, we asked Van Allen, he goes, why didn't you try and tip that pass? He goes, it wasn't on my stick. And I go, what? He goes, Zuboff passed it. If he would have wanted it to go to me, it would have been on my <laughs> stick. He didn't want it to go to me. He wanted it to go to between my legs. Yeah. And so I let it go. And you're like, that is genius that you yeah. know that. And you know, you know how good he is that if he wanted me to have the puck, it would have been on my stick. Yeah, there were no happy accidents with him. He he no. was not painting on PBS, Sergei Zubov. <laughs> he wasn't putting happy little trees here and there. If, if it was sending or if he sent the puck somewhere, it was on purpose over and over. So that'll be a fun night uh, on Friday. A lot of guys coming back into town and, and he'll get his number retired in front of Ovechkin, wow. which is kind of neat. Oh, yeah, for sure. That is. Where are you guys on on retired numbers? As far I have as great look. I'll, I'll say this: I have great appreciation for the removal from rotation route, uh, and then truly handpicking who gets that number next. Now, some numbers and some jerseys are are no brainers. They're not going to be handed out again. But I I, I like when when there's a certain guy that can wear a certain number for a franchise. What say you? Yeah, I, I was going to say the Cowboys thing kind of works with 88 going from Drew Pearson to yeah, Dev. that's a good example. Lamb. So it, it's, it's, a, it's a badge of honor. Now, you don't want to give 12 to another quarterback, and I don't think they'll ever give Staubach's number away. You know, I, I grew up as a kid, a Celtics fan, and it was just funny that you don't have that many numbers or didn't in basketball. People didn't, and they, they've retired all the good numbers. They're all up there. They do you that in Boston in general. It's the same thing with the Bruins. They, there's nothing available yes. below 23 or something now. So it can get really ridiculous. I think when you're the stars, if you want to retire four or five numbers, maybe. But but I, I, I don't want to get – I don't want to get – now, 56 is probably a number most people don't want. So maybe – uh, maybe that's an okay one, but you know, I, I don't want to get carried away with it. Yeah. The one, I don't know why this bothers me, but the one that bothers me with the stars is two. Like they've just given that to anybody. And you're like, that's Darian Hatcher's number. And it's just right. like, it's been worn by like nine different players in the last 10 years or whatever. And you're just like, come on. They didn't do this to 56. They didn't do this to nine. They didn't do this to 26. They were, they were a little conscientious with it, but it is what it is. All right. Well, how about the state of these Dallas Stars right now? And 
this is the meaty part of it for you, Kyle Shaw. You get to really dig yes, in. Yes, your, your intimate yeah. knowledge. I, I don't know whether you've followed the football team in town exclusively, or if you if you got a bigger circle of interest uh, going on. Uh, the The football season's over. I felt bad for you. You missed. Is that true? You didn't get to the game because of COVID. First time I since missed the entire playoff run the Cowboys made because of COVID. <laughs> yes, I wrote about that. Oh, uh, you're a survivor, first, like myself, a COVID survivor. Way first, to go! Yes. Uh, uh, superb road trip though for the Stars. They slayed the yes. the sewer soldiers, if you will, of the Eastern Conference. Uh, well, there's another way to look at that. In you know, in the time we're talking about from the mid '90s now, Detroit and New Jersey have won seven cups between them. The Flyers have been highly competitive. <laughs> Buffalo is who they had to dismantle to win their <laughs> cup. So these are, in some ways, some of the prestigious squads. See, but, like, uh, that's that smells of a column right there, <laughs> Tim. They did get the best of Jack Hughes and the boys last night early. And uh, two goalies I never heard of played for. Oh my god! For New Jersey. Um, oh my god! Hopefully Swiss you've cheese. heard of them, but I don't know. Akira, Akira. Those hips don't lie, and those pads don't stop anything for them. It was a <laughs> rough opening period, but but you know, I know. I, I mean, I look at it all the time, and you know, I always look at just how many, uh, you know, the stars or whatever they are, about seven games over five hundred, and where the other teams are. Calgary, I think, was nine for the eighth spot. So they're 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 right around it. They you know, you can get back into the hunt in a hurry by doing what they just did, but at some point you gotta beat you're gonna have to beat Colorado and Minnesota to win some games against those teams to to try to get in there. Um you know it's 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 been a weird year with the goalie thing. It's been a weird year kind of with the transformation. Complete I mean it's been ongoing with the guys I mentioned earlier, Ben and Sagan and Radulov, haven't been top line players for a while, but there was a point in time where they, I mean, they just didn't get any goals for 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 for, for the team, um, and now they're not the top line, which is fine. They they need the other guys to and the Robertsons of this era to to, to step up. But you know, I, I think it's I think they have a good chance to make the playoffs. I don't know if they're. They have what it would take to, you know, play somebody like Colorado right away, even though they've been good against Colorado. I don't know if they could beat them in a playoff series, but I guess we could. We would like to find out. Well, they're very much in the playoff picture at, at midseason. You had it almost nailed statistically. I think they're 22-16-2. They hold the second wild card this morning. Uh, what about your half-baked, halfway assessment there, Mike Heike? My hope, and obviously I'm, you know, I'm the homer now writing for the team. Yeah, boy. My hope is is they actually do have some really good performances coming in the second half. Like Radulov, to me, looks like he's really playing a lot better. Uh, I, I like his element, uh, that Tasmanian devil that, you know, just can do all sorts of crazy things that drags other players, you know, into the mix. Uh, Tyler, if he can, you know, get comfortable at center. If his leg's feeling good, I think he could have a good second half. Um, and then the goalies, uh, you know, again, they're, they're a bit of a wild card, but but both uh, Ottinger and, and Holpe 
could be solid goalies. And if you look around the Central Division and even the Western Conference, there's not a lot of great goaltending going on. So if you get to the playoffs... And there's a lot of mulching are, going on at your house, though, it sounds like. No, this there. one's, this one's I, Tim. I think the leaf blower has entered the house. Yeah, they're doing your hallway now, or what's the deal? My, my guy has bailed. I'm sorry, Mike. Continue. Uh, it's the wind chimes, no. That, that was a problem before. <laughs> Anyway, I do believe they have the ability to be good in a second half. I did like Holtby's line last night after the game. He goes, we're a bit streaky, and we need to address that as they go from seven-game winning streak to five-game losing streak to four-game losing streak to, you know, four-game winning streak. Uh, They are a bit streaky, and they do need to address that in the second half. Yes. Uh, I I have this, that there's a certain cockroach – quality or characteristic to them. It's been this way under Bones and with Joe Pavelski, I might add. You know, he he he's a tough guy to to kill in a game, metaf- metaphorically speaking. Yeah. I mean, they're they're really, really hard to murder and then sweep under the door. Like I, I looked it up. Like cockroaches can handle like 900 times uh, pressure on their on their body. It's the exoskeleton that that hold, holds them in, and you can't kill them. Uh, I, I say this: if if the stars get in, they're going to be a tough out because of that. Just just when teams think that they have the upper hand, or just when us in the media or fans or oppositions all think, well, they're done. They're, they rear their head up again and they survive and and they thrive for a little while and. I I think they would just be a nasty team come playoff time if they got goaltending. They'd be a nasty team come playoff time to to deal with if you were one of the the true upper echelon favorites, if you will, in the Western Conference. Has, has yeah. Jim Hill made a better move than signing Joe Pavelski since he's been here? Jeez, given, given what that was so. thought of at the time, well, maybe he's got a year left. And <laughs> what he does for this team, but there well, was yeah. that Sagan trade. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the second trade was very good. He traded good players, but he yeah, that you, was a very good deal. But you were giving time. up back then you were giving up. I think Louis Erickson was like a year yeah. removed from being the leading scorer on the team in that. So yeah. you were giving up some pieces in order to do it. The the Pavelski thing was more a decision between at least from afar it seemed like it was more of a decision between do you keep the elfin Norwegian here? Or do you sign Joe Pavelski? And our our friend Tom Holy deserves a lot of credit. I th- I think he was instrumental in in talking Joe into coming to Texas. You know they were together. The Stars uh, PR guru and and uh, broadcasting VP uh, was in San Jose with Pavelski and the two Joes back in in their Halcyon days. And and Pavelski's come in here. I'm staggered by his production as a 37 year old and in tough circumstances, Josh and I were talking about it last night. Like he was a productive guy consistently last year when they were playing four games in six nights. I I don't care if there was nobody in the building, they were playing hockey games over and over and over in a short period of time. And then you fast forward to this year and in second games of back to backs. And you would remember this, Tim and, and Mike, we had some, we had some terrific 
elderly players back in the day with the stars in the late nineties and that, you know, uh, whether it was Ludwig or Carbono or, uh, Kirk Muller, or, you know, the grumpy old men line and that, but they were not very, uh, <laughs> they, they didn't have a lot of bite in those second games of back to backs. And, and a lot of times hitch or whoever, they'd have to sit them down. It's like, no, we're going to yeah. rest them up. It'll pay off down the line. You look at a guy like Pavelski puts up three points in the second game of a back-to-back. Just boom. Yeah, he was uh, he was laughing last night, or Ryan Suter was, about how him and Joe just sit there and go, all the kids are going like, I'm so sore. <laughs> and they're like, oh, we feel fresh as a daisy. So. <laughs> Been good. How are you feeling, Tim? I'm Speaking of fine. That. My, my COVID was of the Omicron variety. Mine too. And it was very light. It was a light cold for a day or two. Although I continued to test positive and the nurse just told me, don't pay any attention to that. You don't have the virus anymore. <laughs> don't stop testing. I was like, really? Yes. She goes, yes. You've, you tested positive 11 days ago. You don't still have it. So it was it was very, very mild for my vaxxed and boosted self. Well, look, th- this has been fantastic. Uh, thanks to Poison Pen for taking time away from building his brand and defeating COVID. And, uh, man, we appreciate you. Uh, Mike, we'll be back on the road soon. Yeah. Flight meals and floater buses, perhaps. But uh, appreciate you. you. can catch Kalashaw, of course, in the Dallas Morning News, dallasmorningnews.com, around the horn, and uh, Mike Heike on dallasstars.com. Uh, I'm Razor. You're welcome. Until next week, see ya. You've been listening to the Podman Rush with Daryl Razor Ray, an official production of the Dallas Stars. To stay up to date on all things stars, visit DallasStars.com or download the official NHL app today.